whole food waste discussion in Europe is very advanced, is very mature. People know, people care, people are very interested. Very different challenges, by the way, in Asia. This is Veronika Poncheva, Global Director of Corporate Responsibility and Senior Vice President at Metro AG. She is also Co-Chief Executive Officer at Annex Food, the next generation hub for the future of food. The wholesaler Metro operates in 34 countries and has more than 97,000 employees worldwide. Metro is active both in Europe and Asia. In Europe, people know us mostly by the blue boxes, big blue boxes of our wholesale. So we are food wholesaler. But actually, we are present with a couple of other companies in the food service distribution, which are also specialized to deliver food products for chefs for the hospitality sector, also in Asia. So our geographical footprint is indeed Europe and Asia. We have very, very different geographies like Japan, Pakistan, the Emirates, Singapore, India, so large. And I think that the challenges there are different. So in some geographies, it's about the availability of healthy and fresh food is more the cold chain. The cold chain should not be broken in order to make sure that there is not food waste. We are not that much talking only about the food waste which is happening in the retail or in the households, but also a lot in the supply chain. The losses in the supply chain in Asia, especially in some geographies, are incredible. In this episode, you get a look at food waste from a wholesaler's perspective. You will learn about the challenges in different countries, what it looks like to address food waste, as a corporation and how the relationship between retailers and wholesalers affects how much food ends up in the bin. Let's jump right in. This is Bread to Grain, the audiobook style podcast where food tech meets sustainability. You're listening to season four on food waste. To support our work, please subscribe and share the episodes with your colleagues and friends. I'm your host, Marina Schmidt. It would be really interesting to go through the different areas of the world and see how the food waste issues differ. So maybe we start in India. How is food waste in India a different problem based on what you perceive as a wholesaler? In India, for example, if you grow fruit and vegetables in rural areas and you want to bring these products to the fresh market, the infrastructure actually poses many challenges to the farmers to get their products to the market or to their customers or to our stores. And because also of the typical weather conditions, which are hot and humid, combined with inefficient transportation, we see huge losses before the food even reaches our stores. And we try to cooperate closely with partners, with farmers there. And that actually led us to a solution where we started to install some collection points, which are closer to the farms and the production sites, because the reality is that uh, many of the farmers simply do not have the cooling facilities. They cannot rely on temperature control trucks. And with these weather conditions, you lose a lot of freshness and quality. And when the truck arrives in our stores, we have to throw away probably 30% of the products. Now, with the solutions, which is relatively simple, with the food collection points, we have the chance to help the farmers to shorten this time, which is needed to drop the fresh products. And so we store it, we transport it with partners by securing that the cold chain is not broken. We have also pre-agreed days when they come and drop the produce at this food collection point. This is very quickly checked, sorted, put in the truck and goes directly to our store. 
So there is no loss of freshness, no loss of, of quality, and practically almost no food waste. We have reached, after a couple of years of efforts, that the average time from farm to store in India now is eight hours instead of 36, where we started. So Metro is very present in Europe, and Europe is very diverse culturally. The countries are sometimes extremely different, and also mentality and how, how important food is. Just look at the Italians, for example, versus how cheap food is. Germany is extremely cheap in terms of food pricing. So what differences do you see in Europe if you look at the various areas? Yeah, indeed, Europe is very, very diverse. And I can take one different angle because we work with partners to tackle food waste in our stores. And important partners are the, the food banks organization where we have in 22 out of our 24 countries of uh, cash and carry operations. And in some of the countries like Germany, our partnership goes back more than 20 years. Whilst in other countries, we just established together with local partners, food banks for the first time. So there is a lot of heavy lifting necessary in the 21st century to convince some governments that food banks are a good solution and there is not going to be some kind of uh, tax evasion because usually this is the concern that uh, VAT will not be properly paid. And in that aspect, we do a lot of advocacy. We also help in some of geographies these uh, food banks to, to be opened and to properly function. And Unfortunately, that's a situation which is not going to, to get much better. I mean, the, the need of the food banks are growing. And which countries are more forward-looking when we talk about food waste versus which countries do you see lagging behind? Well, for example, I can say that Belgium, France, Netherlands, but also Turkey in our operations are very, very, very advanced. Some of our Eastern European countries like Bulgaria, my own country, Romania are rather early on that journey, but also ambitious. I love the way that you frame that around a journey. As you think about countries and they move along this journey, where does it start? What are some of the crucible moments that they might go through in this journey to become more mature in how they approach food waste? Does it start with government? Does it start with consumers? I'm just curious if you maybe have a view on that, what the journey looks like. It starts with one. It starts with targeting. It starts with one person, one organization, one voice who says, look, I don't feel comfortable anymore to throw away this good food, good product. And as I mentioned, often this is a chef, this is a restaurateur who says, I have invested my time, my creativity, my talent and my, my great ingredients. And now this goes into the trash bin. This is painful. And the chefs are very powerful voice pretty much in every country. But if you look into the consumer aspect, also people don't feel comfortable to throw away food. In, in my childhood, I was always having conversation, yeah, but my stomach is not the waste bin. And then the conversation was back, okay, but then please make sure that you put in your plate exactly as much as you can eat. And I know that, for example, in France, school canteens are encouraging children to go, if they want three times to take their meal, but only put on their plate as much as they can really consume. So to your question, I think it starts with, with one voice and it's not the government necessarily because governments see the need to act when they also realize that the society is ready for a change. Interesting. In my research, I came across the insight that in areas where 
you could say it's an emerging economy. A significant amount of food waste comes from the pre-retail part. So during the farming process, during the production process, there's already food waste happening to a much higher degree than we see that in Europe or America. And is that something that you came across as well? Yeah, actually, that's not exactly food waste. This is food loss. So oh, yes. sorry to yes. be <laughs> to be so precise on the terminology. But yeah, you're right. And often this is linked to not so developed agricultural practices. There are ways and means to address it. So there are partners like BAP, so Best Agricultural Practices. There are certification companies. There are different partners. And often, actually, we have a three-party cooperation between a farmer, a producer of seeds, and us in order to make sure that the farmer is getting the best possible seeds and creates the best possible product in order to reduce this food loss, which is happening exactly, as you say, during the process of production. Because every retailer, every wholesaler has specific quality requirements. The apples have to be calibrated. The tomatoes has to be certain color. So the closer you work with the farmers, the better the chance that there will be no crop which stays on the field and doesn't really come to the fresh market or to the stores. And to be honest, on the other side, we also see that the customers are evolving because often you see this kind of ugly vegetables which are not calibrated. They don't look very nice, but their taste is exactly the same. So why not still buying these products? Why not still using them? We see even sometimes some of our partners in the hospitality sector. So they are catering companies who are using these funny looking vegetables to offer them in some of the cocktails. And they're very interesting. They look different. So that's also one other way how to avoid food waste and food loss. When I was looking into the difference of food waste and food loss, well, one thing is that there is hardly an agreement on a definition for any of this. So it seems to be like everybody has an opinion and everybody thinks something different, or at least it's not super clear. And one of the definitions that I came across for food to loss is actually more related to food that could have been used but generally isn't. Let's say you have a whole chicken and then if the chicken breast isn't sold, that's food waste. If the bones aren't sold, then that's food loss because it's not generally seen as something that you would be eating. But obviously you could make bone broth out of the bones. So there would be a way to use it. Or same with cauliflower. The cauliflower leaves are food loss because you could make something out of it. Like, for example, cauliflower kimchi. <laughs> but generally that's not done. And it seems to me like you have a different definition. No, actually, uh, your definition is right. I was referring to, and this is again element of, uh, of the food loss, because let's say the, the carrots which are produced, but they are not picked, they're not collected from the field. This is food loss. This is not food waste because it doesn't really enter the system. So in, in a way, I think we can discuss or argue what's food loss, what's food waste at the end. It's, it's valuable product. And there, there are different ways of measuring it and, and addressing it. So in, in that manner, it's, it's kind of important to understand who is who in that conversation. And indeed, our focus is more on the food waste 
than on the food loss because we feel closer to this territory and we think that we have more means to influence and to reduce the food waste. But obviously we work with our partners, producing partners, uh, to address uh, food loss as well. Sometimes, exactly as you say, they are, they are good ingredients which do not enter the food system, but they can be used for something and not lost. Yeah, that's interesting. I came across a company that exclusively works with that type of produce, and they essentially turn that fruits into purees or juices. This is Jesse Horstman, the senior producer of the season who joined me for this episode. They primarily work with the ugly produce that wouldn't normally find its way into the retail channel. Yeah, which by itself is a challenge because you cannot plan this produce. So they are kind of exotic in a way. You need to have a standard and regular supply if you are in a specific production. And I have a lot of respect for people who are trying to accommodate uh, for such kind of needs. But the reality is that this is not easy. So you cannot plan a production if this is based on the, this kind of exceptional vegetables or fruits, but already accommodating for them, I think is a great step. We spoke to Ned Spang, a professor in food waste who specifically mentioned the difficulty in capturing food loss and measuring it's the scale of that is significantly hard because it never enters the supply chain, which I think is exactly what you're saying. Metro's done quite a bit to report on food waste. And it would be great to hear you talk a little bit about how you've defined food waste and what the early day challenges with kind of saying, here's what we consider waste and loss and what we can measure and what we can't and, and where we want to try and move things along. Yeah, well, that's a super valid question, because at the end, if you're not able to measure, then the chances to act and reduce this are very slim. And that's most probably not the most interesting part for people, not super sexy to talk about measurement and, and reporting. But we're actually very glad that we cooperate with uh, the World Resource Institute, their group of scientists who have developed the food loss and waste protocol. And they exactly explain in that protocol, which is a very valuable piece of academic work, who is who. But the whole concept is target, measure, act. So target to reduce, measure in your actions, measure the whole process, discover where you can have food waste and then act against that. So I'm not sure that we'll have the chance to explain what the uh, World Resource Institute have developed with the Food Loss and Waste Protocol, but I'm pretty sure that uh, your audience can uh, have a quick look in, in the website of the WRI and see how that actually looks like. But it's super, super good and it's well-defined, it's scientific, it's proven. So it's not very easy, by the way, to adopt it in a company because you have to touch pretty much every area for your operations. We had a lot of pushback, so not a little bit, a lot of pushback. <laughs> because you ask your colleagues, your teams, especially in operations and in finance, in controlling, to start measuring elements of their work which they did not measure before and which they did not see as valuable to measure. So give an example why someone in a store theoretically should measure what happens with the food remains which are given further to, to a company to process them. So a colleague would say, fine, I gave it to a professional provider. I don't want to know what's happening. But for, for us, it's very different if this goes to landfill or this is used to produce fuel or it is used to feed animals. What's happening with that? So depending on the destination and the actions, in one case, this is not food waste. In other cases, is a food waste. So we started with a very simple pyramid explaining that the first step is to reduce food waste, not to have 
products coming to this corner of the store where we know that this is no longer good to be sold, that we need to, to throw it away. And if we know that, for example, we are approaching the best before date, we will always look into options to give it to people, people in need, like the food banks. And if this is no longer good for people, we'll always look into the options to give it to animals. And if this is not possible anymore, then we are going to look into other options, how to, to recycle it, how to repurpose it, how to, to do something out of it before it goes into landfill or incineration or whatever other kind of yeah. uh, process there is available. Interestingly, reducing food waste turns out to be useful, not just for the sustainability of the company, but also for the bottom line. Actually, it was very much bottom up because not because for the top of the company, this is not important. It's clearly important and there is a very high level of ownership. But it's, there is one very interesting aspect of the food waste. Once you start digging into a store, wholesale store, retail store, where do you generate food waste? You start actually discovering very unusual things which are happening in your operations. You realize, for example, that maybe your goods receiving process is suboptimal, or you realize that you're always having a process which is damaging packaging. So it unveils and discovers certain inefficiency in the processes, which for our operation teams are super valuable because they want to be efficient. And once they discover that that's actually that's a methodology which not only reduces CO2 footprint and reduces food waste, which is of course a crucial business and moral problem, they actually use it for different purposes, for all of these three purposes. And uh, I think it's a good combination, but it takes time. It takes time. It, it takes also use cases. You have to see how this is all functioning. And again, you have to be really very, very persistent with the topic. So you mentioned a couple of ways to reduce food waste overall in, in at a wholesaler. And I would be interested if there are some of these 80-20 principles or low-hanging fruit that you came across, like, oh, this is actually not that hard, or why haven't we done this before? Or, duh, <laughs> does anything come uh, to mind for you? Well, uh, probably one of the, the first uh, discoveries that if you start working with the topic of food waste, there is not one solution. You always have to look into combination of solutions because if you take, again, the pyramid, you need partners in every line. How, for example, to sell best the products which are close to the best before and make sure that they are not wasted. How to cooperate with food banks, how to build the understanding with our customers. Probably that's the 80-20. So never go with one. It's, it's not going to work. Always go with more than one. It was interesting also for the partners which we acquired on the way that in the beginning they were like, yeah, but I want exclusivity here. And we said, no, there is no chance of exclusivity. The problem is so big that you need to partner with other people. And actually they are very valuable learnings in that process for everybody. But how pressing is the issue of food waste for a corporation like Metro? Are customers demanding it? Are investors and stakeholders asking for food waste reduction measures? The public is usually much more curious about what companies do in that aspect because it's visible. And I can mention one of our corporations with Too Good To Go, which is a digital solution provider. And, and because they are very talkative, very communicative, so our work through them gets noticed. If you talk about investors, for investors, it's also important to understand that we are reducing our CO2 footprint because that we are becoming a more and more decarbonized company and that we are efficient 
different in what we do. The whole topic around food waste will become more present on the investor's agenda. But at the moment, I would say that the depth of the conversation is not yet so present as probably with some other different target audiences, unless you're talking to an investor who is really, really knowledgeable and specifically targeting ESG investments. In another interview with Oded from Wasteless, we asked him a question regarding the relationship of wholesalers and retailers. Oded told us that in some instances, the retailers only pay for the goods they sell and the wholesalers actually take over the responsibility in that sense. We have a dilemma between who is causing the waste and who actually has an incentive for waste to be reduced. And I find this to be quite a startling situation. And you said that you don't have that issue with Metro or you're not offering this kind of deal. But do you see anything else in the wholesaler retailer relationship that just systemically increases food waste? Yeah, it's a very good point because indeed what we do is we try to offer the products on the shelf, on our shelves with at least at least two-thirds of the good shelf life ahead. So in order to give the chance of the retailer who is buying the product from us to, to further resell it. Also in many countries, it's forbidden to return food products. So in that aspect, I think we understand our role and our responsibility to not push products which are close to expiry date and then in that way create issue for traders or for our customers. Of course, we use uh, dynamic pricing to make sure that uh, products which are close to, to expiry date are, are better and quickly sold. In one area which I find a little bit critical, and it's a very well-known marketing tool, all the overviews, all the two at the price of one, which are great marketing instruments. But if you buy this extra yogurt, are you really going to consume it or it will end up in the trash bin. So that's a big conversation in our industry. It helps sell more. It helps also products to be moved faster. But on the side of obesity, on the side of the health, and also on the side of the food waste discussion, it might not be the best solution. And also another one, we try to reduce packaging waste, which means bigger packagings, not small individual packaging. But the bigger the packaging, the the higher the likelihood that you're going to have food waste or the higher the likelihood that you're going to consume more, which might not be exactly very healthy. So there are these kind of tension fields and there is no one solution for all. So often what you gain in food waste, you lose in packaging and the other way around. Interesting. I know at Metro, you also created this guide for restaurants and it's supposed to help restaurants find a way to become actually sustainable. I'm wondering if this insights in this guide or insights from your own experience and what you've seen in the field that are maybe not that obvious. Like it's not just, okay, don't over order. (laughs) (laughs) Are there aspects that uh, may be surprising or unusual regarding how restaurants can reduce food waste? 
Yeah, in our toolbox, and indeed it's called My Sustainable Restaurant, we try actually to look into the whole operations of a restaurant from the back office and then the kitchen and the area where you serve your customers, whether it be a bar or a restaurant. And then you can tackle really different elements of your operation from the energy, how you buy it, is it a sustainable one, do you have means and ways to reduce consumption, etc., etc. When you go to the menu, actually, this is, it might sound a little bit unusual, the, the most important element of reducing food waste is the, the menu, the cart. Because the longer it is, the more food waste, theoretically, you can produce. You have more ingredients in the fridge, you have more creative aspects, yeah, that's great, but you can also produce more food waste. So having a sustainable menu, which means adequate list of products, not too many ingredients, source local ingredients as much as you can because they are fresher, they are closer to you, they are probably also with better shelf life, so to say. These are aspects of reducing food waste in the restaurant business, which might not always be immediately visible. And uh, of course, the storage, the way you measure, the way you, you produce, so there are technologies, techniques and ways to address, which obviously chefs know very well. But there are also artificial intelligence solutions like one of the partners we have, the startup named uh, Kitro, which is actually an intelligent garbage bin. So they measure the food waste, they also take picture of it with a camera and the chef or the, the F&B manager gets actually the understanding and information what has been thrown away. And then, of course, they start working to optimize uh, and improve the process. For a restaurant owner, the cost of the food is one of the, the highest and most important cost lines next to the cost of the stuff. So everybody is very conscious to reduce food waste and, and they just hate it. They don't like like to, to create it, but they also need to be better informed and better equipped. Veronica, if you would have 50 million and you wouldn't be able to invest in Metro, what businesses would you invest in? Oh, I absolutely have no question there. I would uh, invest them in alternative proteins and novel food because the, the plant, the plant-based uh, and the alternative proteins, they're growing with such an enormous speed. So I would go directly there. Yeah, uh, plus one on that. <laughs> uh, I will also put my 50 million there. <laughs> Just give me some now. Yeah. <laughs> Regarding food sustainability yeah. or agriculture, what is an unusual or controversial opinion that you hold that many people would disagree with? Uh, well, uh, it is probably not exactly a controversial opinion, but I believe that we all need to work on a completely different measurement of success because today the measurement of success is more sales, more profit, more resources. We cannot continue like this. But there is no other measurement yet how to define actually the success of tomorrow. And that keeps me really thinking a lot and I read a lot in that field. I haven't found so far a reasonable model which could possibly substitute this one. But I think that's not only about sustainability, it's also the future of success as a definition. Absolutely. And Veronica, where can people reach out to you? Well, they can find me on LinkedIn and on Instagram. I'm quite active, so happy to accommodate further discussions and invite your audience for exchange. And what is your Instagram handle? So my Instagram handle is best coffee ever, which is misspelled on purpose. Best coffee with three E. 
so coffee ever. So there is only one O, one F, and three E. So this is the way it's misspelled. Coffee. Exactly. <laughs> Best coffee ever. Yeah. <laughs> or you can find her on LinkedIn. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on Red to Green, Veronica. Thank you so much, Marina. Thank you for listening. When I first started Red to Green, I was amazed. Wow, this is so much work. And it's made possible by a dedicated, smart ninja team. If you enjoy our work, please take a minute to share it online, send it to friends or colleagues who would appreciate the episodes. Let's spread the message and let's move the food industry from harmful to healthy, from polluting to sustainable, from red to green. <laughs>